that time, if this goes, I wanted you guys just to know everyone's name, because I know some of you are in small groups with certain people, and some of you aren't, so you're like, who's this weird guy with a striped plaid polo? And then other people are like, I don't know this girl. So you guys know everyone's names, and so now it's your small group and all of our adult leaders' job to hopefully know all of your names and know something about you. Because I regularly talk about you to them, and they're like, who? Oh, is that the kid who? And then they say, like, the wrong kid. So they've got a hard job, because there's about 30-ish of you in here. I don't know how many. Um... But you have an easy job. There's about eight of them. Cool? Cool. Okay. Has anyone played the telephone game before? Yes. 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 I would like come over here to Nick and I would say something like, and then Nick would pass it on. And then when it got to Sam, Sam would say some version of what I told Nick, correct? But it would kind of be tainted through a little bit of like a loss of the truth because it would be like firsthand from me to Nick. And then by the time it got to Sam, it could be something totally crazy different. You guys all played before? Okay, we're not going to play. I know. Uh, there's a platform. There's a, hey, there's a new platform on the, on the interweb that is this thing. It's like you as in you, but then tube, like you're watching something. And it's YouTube. You could watch a video of the telephone game to explain it, to like practice it. And in small groups, after you guys go through the whole small group discussion guide, you guys can play telephone game if you want. Yeah. Uh, I I say that because I think uh, this idea of the telephone game that uh, I would tell you something, and then over a course of time, it would get like tainted through a loss of it originally was spoken, but then someone else told me second hand, and then third hand, and then thirtieth hand to Sam. There would be a lot of like a loss of the truth, and I think that's pretty evident, and that's a pretty good analogy of. Uh, what, how most of us in here, and I think in general, um, our, our uh, relationship to the Bible, yes. Yep. Soda bottles all the way to how are you doing? See, that's crazy. Uh, so, uh, quick question, we're talking about uh, the Bible tonight, Bible literacy. Next week we don't have uh, youth because there's a member meeting at South. So if your parents are members at Frontline South, be like, hey, mom and dad, you guys should go to that meeting. Uh, if you want to get bored by adult business, you guys can also come, but you guys could also stay home. Is there an age limit for membership? Um, no, if your parents are members, you're, you can come with them. So, uh, in a lot of ways, that telephone game, if we're, if we're taking that analogy into most of us have heard bits and pieces of the Bible from like a pastor, from a parent, uh, from like a you getting disciplined by your parents and then like pulling a verse out of their wand of like, I'm doing this because I love you. And you're like, I don't like love. It hurts. Uh, or like on Twitter and Instagram, I think I see plenty of like verses like quoted or referenced. So all of us have some engagement with the Bible. But what I would say is so loud. Um, it's primarily like a second hand. So quick question. What do you guys think of when you think of the Bible? Or it comes to mind. Go ahead. Uh, just like... Quick, quick, quick. Hurry. Just like a leaf out of like a 1611 uh, okay. edition. What did you say? A say, leaf out of a 1611. Leaf? Yeah. Out of 1611. Okay, next. Charlie, what do you think of? You think of a Bible, a cover with a Bible in the front. Just like like the stamped Bible. Okay, that's what comes to mind. Okay, Debbie, what comes to mind? Okay, what else? What are ways you would describe it, things you think about when you think about it? Go. Rules, Rules good. Truth. Truth. Yes. Chapters and verses, good. There's a lot of those in there. Anything else? 
Anything else come to mind? Anybody think of like wise sayings? Sometimes, depending on what you consider wise. Yes, Thomas? The Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. That's my, <laughs> yeah, that's also a book of the Bible. And uh, uh, I think of history sometimes when I read it. Like some things are like historical, like narratives. Uh, so working definition for us tonight, the Bible is one book, one unified story made up of 66 smaller books, believe it or not, written by almost 40 different authors. Awesome. Can you imagine 40 different authors coming together and be like, hey, let's write one book. But they all write their own book, and then they put it together and make one book. So, thought experiment for us. We're going to look at some commonly misinterpreted Bible verses. I promise we're going somewhere. So I need uh, Miss Hannah Greggs to find Philippians 4.13 on your Bible or your phone. Okay, you're just going to say it out loud. Okay, perfect. Uh, and then somebody over here, Carol, is going to find Jeremiah 29.11. Okay. From memory, Hannah is going to tell us what Philippians 4.13 means. Okay, double checking. Okay, I can do all things through Christ, through him who strengthens me. Uh, that sounds great. I enjoy it. This is like Tim Tebow 316. Uh, this is my like, favorite picture of Philippians 413. I always think of Tim Tebow wearing it underneath his eye patch. Uh, this verse is quoted often. It is comforting to me. I like it. But if you just think about context, Paul is writing to Philipp- like people in Philippi from jail. And right before it, he says, hey, I've learned the secret to like happiness, contentment in the whole world. That whether I have little... So whether I'm in prison like I am right now or whether I have a lot and I've got like comforts of all of your comforts that you have in America, uh, the, the secret is I can do everything. I can, I can like withstand like hardship in Jesus. So it's primarily misinterpreted as, hey, if you didn't study for your test and you're like, oh, well, I know I've heard that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and you get your test back and you still get an F because you didn't study. Uh, so, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Carol's going to read it nice and big. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. Nice. One more time, louder. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Welfare, future, hope. Can I get an amen? Come on. Amen. Yeah. Who doesn't want who, do, who doesn't want some welfare, some like hope and a few like a good future? That's like a, a really comforting uh, verse. It's like all over Mardell or Hobby Lobby or any place that like has really like really great art with verses underneath it. Uh, in the context of that verse, uh, the the people of God are told, "Hey, uh, you're actually not going to get out of exile, uh, and you're actually not going to like see a lot of these promises that I'm telling you." For like another 70 years. So just get comfortable being like in Babylon. Which you do not like to be in. And do all these things. Because I've got plans that prosper you. But they're not really for you. Because your children are going to be the ones that see them anyways. So two quick examples of that. Uh, we're a biblically confused culture. So we hear those verses. And they're like yeah. And then you like put some context around them. And you're kind of like. I don't know if I like that verse as much. Like I don't want to be content in jail. Like that sounds like terrible Paul. Like I like to be content in a really stuffy room on a Wednesday night when I know I can go back to AC at the end of the night. Amen. Uh, but I think this is because we all approach the Bible uh, in ways that none of us would approach any other like, book that we have at, our, at home or at school. 
If you guys approach your textbooks at school the way most of us in here approach the Bible, you probably wouldn't pass and your teachers would get angry at you. So we don't even, a lot of, a lot of times, put like uh, any sort of like all the skills that you learn, all the star tests that you take when it comes to literature and reading. I don't know if star tests are a thing. No? We used to do star tests. Okay. 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 A, there's AR tests. There's star testing. It's like a certain scale. You get your stuff. Okay. Cool. Uh, but so most of us read the Bible with like way less um, respect to literature in a way uh, than we would do any other textbook. So here's four ways that I'm just going to call how not to read the Bible that I think most of us do. Like I think I'm prone to do this as well. But first one is the inspirational approach. We're going to call this like the popcorn approach. Uh, this is the idea or the approach of like the verse of the day. How many of you have version Bible app on their phone? Yeah, you kind of get, some of you have notifications on, you get the verse of the day. Really great. And this is just like the, the approach or the idea that the Bible is filled with really wise sayings or inspirational quotes. And most often, they're kind of taken the same way most of us take Philippians 4.13 or Jeremiah 29.11 out of its original context, but as like an inspirational verse. Uh, so you get like a small section of scripture with zero context. So for example, this is like reading uh, whatever the third, Catching Fire maybe, Hunger Games book is. Uh, reading that one before reading the first two. And so you're reading it and you're like, gosh, this story is confusing. Who are these characters? Why are they, who is this snow guy? Why are they running and killing each other? This idea of pulling one verse out of all of its like, where it was like originally written in a context of a chapter, a verse, a book, of a testament, of a bigger book, is like reading the third book without reading the first two books. Uh, second way I think most of us is just like the therapeutic approach. This is what I'm going to call the Xanax approach. If you don't know what Xanax is, you can ask Tom after. Uh, <clears throat> that'll, that's like a drug joke. Xanax is a drug that can make you feel better. Um, you can probably get it for like 20 bucks at school. Uh, so with this approach, this is, uh, this is how you go to the Bible. Like basically when you're dealing with something like anxiety or you're, you're dealing with sadness, maybe someone breaks up with you or maybe you have friends that are like being upset or maybe you're stressed out about your like test you didn't study for or whatever that may be. And so this is like the, hey, read a, read a verse and it'll be like your quick fix to give you like an emotional high. And so I remember, I think, being really young and like getting in trouble and then being like, I just need to be more godly. And so I opened up my book to like Exodus <laughs> Or like a really hard book. And I was like, this doesn't help me be more godly. They're talking about slavery. I already feel enslaved to my parents. Like, this isn't helping. Uh, third unhelpful way, uh, I, or I think this is probably primarily like, yeah, the Xanax approach would be like the inspirational quotes of like, stay patient and trust your journey. Uh, or the quotes of like, be a pineapple, stand tall and wear a crown and be sweet on the inside. Uh, all of the really helpful inspiration that most of us can find on Instagram, like that's like the approach of, hey, when life hits the fan, when I get in trouble, when I feel, when I feel confused, I can just go to the Bible for like almost to make me feel better. Uh, third way uh, is probably like the mystical approach, which is kind of like both of those two combined into one with like a little bit of superstition or karma mixed in. Uh, anybody ever heard of a magic eight ball? Yeah. You shake them. Should I date so-and-so? And it gives you like a, the answer is yes, or don't ask. Or this is almost like if you can like do your Amazon Alexa, that gives you a really bad answer as well. Uh, with this approach, as we approach it, this is like a, like basically going 
to the Bible when you're dealing with something as, hey, should I date so-and-so? Should I go to college here? Should I take AP or not take AP? Should I take concurrent? Should I or should I not do this? You go to the Bible and you open it up and it's like, first thing I look at is going to be the Lord speaking to me. Should I date so-and-so? And then you like look up like Leviticus 3, 16 or 17. Yeah, just look, look this up later. It says, all fat is the Lord's, therefore don't eat fat or blood, basically. And so if you're, want, like, if you're wanting to date that person and you read that, if they're not fat and they don't have blood, I guess you can date them. But other than that, like just this type of approach is not helpful. If you're just like opening up the Bible of like, hey, answer all of my life's questions. And then you randomly open it up and it's something out of context. You're unaware of what's going on. And then the last one is probably like most of the church kids in the room. Uh, if you've grown up in church, you kind of, if you open the Bible, you probably drift towards one or the other. It's just like New Testament only, or I'm only going to read the red letters of Jesus only. Or maybe if you're like artsy, you're like Psalms, or if you're, you know, Proverb a day keeps the devil away type of person, you know, you kind of stick to the Proverbs. This is like the picky eater approach. This is like the Drew Feitner approach to uh, scripture. <laughs> this is like a diet of, on- this is like a diet of only French fries and no food. Um, but in this approach, you like get bits and pieces of the truth. Uh, but the New Testament is really only 25% of the whole Bible. And you really can't understand the New Testament in light of the Old Testament. And so most of us go to the New Testament, we hear Jesus say something, we're like, okay, I don't know what that means. It's like, because we didn't read this other 75% of what he is saying. So those are all really funny and great analogies. But what's at stake if we settle for... Uh, what most of us are doing, either these four approaches, or if you're honest, just total disengagement. Like, I don't really care. I got enough books to read at home. I've got math books <laughs> uh, and other things that I know I need to be doing. Um, what's at stake? What are we going to, you know, what, what's, what, what would happen if we kind of just settle for how most of us engage the Bible? Uh, I, I think if... If I look back at my life and when I've like, had disengagement or one of these four unhelpful approaches, um, I think I just saw the Bible as boring and irrelevant. Um, I saw it as unhelpful. Uh, and then not just the Bible that very quickly transferred to, um, man, Jesus is unhelpful. Jesus is irrelevant. I don't really understand why any of this kind of matters. Bible literacy is essential. So if we're talking about how, what does it mean to be, become biblically literate, what does it mean to like begin to understand what the Bible says, why it matters, is essential if you at all want to own your faith. So most of us have a telephoned faith. So we've heard from mom and dad, like, hey, Jesus is the answer for all these problems. And you're like, uh, most of my problems are like not having enough money for Fortnite or my phone died. Uh, all these like little issues of, hey, um, you know, Jesus wants to take away your sin. You're like, I don't really know what sin is, but sure, you can take it. Uh, if we settle for kind of like one of these four approaches or just total disengagement, uh, most of us are continue to have like our parents' faith, see most of this as irrelevant and boring or, or silly. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think back to my life, I believed so many lies and so many weird things about the Bible in Jesus before I actually started to read the Bible. I remember it's like, hey, it's a book of rules and it wants me to like act a certain way. Uh, and it's got like a bunch of heroes in it that I should be like. And then I like actually started to read it, and I was like, some of these heroes are like are pretty crazy and do pretty crazy things. Um, so how do we read it? We're going to practice this in small groups, but how do we read the Bible? Uh, it's going to blow your mind, like a book. 
Like this book is living and it's active and it speaks like to everyone for all time. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but you still need to read it and engage with it like a book. So most of us engage with it like, you know, like a happy pill. Make me happy. Or like a compass, like just show me where to go. And then you open it somewhere that you're like, this doesn't really help me in 2019 to know where to go. I open up the book of Song of Solomon. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Or whatever it may be. So three ways to read, three like practices or skills. You want to first read for comprehension. So this is going to really blow your mind. You've like learned this in like fifth grade reading or literature class. Comprehension. What does this text say? So as you're reading the Bible, you don't want to just be like, man, cool, I read all that. I'm going to go on with my day. Like you'll continue to kind of have this like disengagement, confused. What, is this? what does this mean? You just want to ask yourself as you're reading, what does this text say? Uh, number two, number second thing you want to do in this order is primarily helpful. Uh, is you want to read for interpretation. So what does this text mean? If you just say, what does this text say? It's like halfway there. Because then you need to say, like, okay, it says this. Now, what does that mean? And then third, you want to read for application. So how should this text change me? Or how should I live in light of this text? Does that make sense? So comprehension, interpretation, application. Most of us read for application. So we're like, we read something, we're like, how should I live? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What does it say? (laughs) What does it mean? then how should I live? Does that make sense? Anybody have any questions about those three super crazy skills that you just listened to? No? Good. Can I tell you a funny story? Yes, you may. Okay. I had a a friend in college who was in Spanish class. Any Spanish takers in here? Spanish class takers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anybody like somewhat fluent in Spanish? Okay, none of you. Uh, I had this friend in, in, in Spanish class in college, and I was not in Spanish class. He was in Spanish class. And he was, like, struggling. He was, like, the most white American, American, South Dakotan person I had, like, ever known. Just go to South Dakota, and you kind of know what I'm saying. He's, like, if you ask him what language he speaks for fluently, he's, like, American. And it's, like, it's not a language. It's English. Uh, but he's in Spanish class, and he's struggling. They go, like, every year they do a spring break trip. As like um, like to like Spain or Mexico somewhere you can get immersed into the the culture and it's really funny because he was like not doing very well they had midterms didn't do very well on those but goes on this trip you're supposed to be like picking it up because you have to like you can't find the bathroom without being able to speak it which is like a problem uh, and then you won't be able to get like food if you can't speak it you're not gonna know where to go if you can't speak it a couple days into the trip uh, he meets like a waitress who he thought was very pretty and so the rest of the rest of the trip. Uh, like the last like two or three days, he's talked about how much he uh, learned so much Spanish in those three days and picked up way more Spanish than he had like the past year or two uh, that he was actually in class. And I, I remember him telling me, and I thought that was funny, and I, we were recalling it when, um, my wife's not here, we went up, I, I went up, saw my roommate uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were kind of talking about that, and I started to think of like, what changed in his life? Uh, What changed when it came to, like, he knew nothing in class? Super American. Super not understanding Espanol. And then he meets a girl, falls in love with her, and is like, man, starts to pick up the language. Starts to, like, get things and know things he doesn't really 
Before no. It's a romantic language. <laughs> it's a romantic language. What happened? He had a reason He fell in love. It, it is crazy what you'll do when you love somebody. Any of you that have ever had like warm fuzzies for somebody, it's like crazy what you'll do when you feel into somebody. You'll like act a certain way. You'll hold in flatulence. You'll eat by like covering your mouth. You'll say you like things and not really like them. Uh, you'll be interested in things that you aren't usually interested in. Uh, I think that's true when we think about biblical literacy because most of us go to the Bible as like, okay, I just need to understand what this says. I don't understand what this says. So we throw it away for like an, until the next time someone tells us to read the Bible. <laughs> then we pick it up again. I don't know what this says. Like the goal of like biblical literacy, the reasons why we would even like cultivate hopefully the next seven, eight weeks uh, of spending some time in the book of Colossians uh, is for you guys to actually um, learn to love Jesus. It's not for you to like Bible quiz and know the answers. It's not for you to like figure out how to go into schools and be like, hey, can I tell you what Philippians 4.13 really means? Or, hey, can I show you what this really means? It's really so that you guys can learn to love Jesus so that we help one another love Jesus. Because um, if not, we're just playing that telephone game where it's like, well, I heard God just is like wants me to be humble. Or, you know, I really think God like helps those who help themselves. Or I think that it's like we actually need to like practice and get into the book together. So we're going to practice this in small groups uh, and here's how you're going to do it. You're going to read the first couple of verses of Colossians, uh, and then you're going to identify who wrote it. Who did they write it to? Why did they write it? What type of literature is this? If we need to read it, like, if it's, a, if it's poetry, we should probably read it, like, as poetry. It'd be hard to, like, read poetry as fiction, and as they're using metaphors, and you're like, wow, did that really happen? It's like, it's poetry. Or if it's, like, a letter to somebody, you need to read it like a letter. Uh, questions, comments, not any remarks about anything concerning biblical literacy or what you're going to do in small groups? No? Okay. Uh, let me pray for you next week. Don't come here unless you're coming to the members meeting. If your parents are members, don't come if you're not a member. Or if you want to leave.